since man cannot live without miracles, he will provide himself with a miracle of his own making. He will believe in any kind of deity, even though he may otherwise be a heretic, an atheist, and a rebel. Three coming at you live, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Heretic Show coming at you live from Cowley Road, Oxford. Um, great to see all of you again. Not that I can see any of you, of course, but it is good to be back on the mic. Um, after a slightly heavy episode last time talking about Myanmar with my guest Minset, we're back today uh, for a more Oxford focused and local episode. And I'm very pleased to welcome on the show today Linda. Hey! Hi, Linda. Hi. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. It's great to see yeah. you. Um, now, for those of you who are wondering, you know, this, this plague rat has invited a random woman onto his show. Uh, you'll be relieved to hear that Linda is, in fact, part of my building and my neighbor, um, which makes, makes her the second of my neighbors to appear on the Heretic show uh, after Joel, but not the second in terms of importance, uh, the second in terms of chronology purely. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know if I'd put myself first in importance either, but we do have a very um, interesting building. Um, That's true. Interesting characters. I think we've got fairly lucky with the inhabitants of our building. Yes. Yeah, overall. Yeah. Uh, you, we could be really in a hellish situation, but uh, yeah, we've, we've, we've come to know each other over the weeks and months uh, as we have supped together, drunk together, had Thanksgiving together. Um, I think it's gone quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and finally, we've made it onto the show together. So I think I'm going to give you a brief introduction and then you can explain uh, what I mean by that. Linda, you are a woman of many, uh, of many talents, of many hobbies, of many passions and of many avenues. Uh, you are a, I'm going to try and do this off the top of my head, a burlesque dancer, a roller, roller derby gal, uh, a, a pole dancer, uh, a knitter, a weaver, a uh, um, and something of an activist. Now, can you tell me if I got any of those correct? Um, I mean, some of that is, is excessive flattery. Um, I'll say, you know, what I suffer from is a perpetual fear of missing out, uh, just excessive FOMO all the time. So um, I tend to dip my fingers in many different pots. Um, so I have done some burlesque. I have done some pole dancing. I have done some roller derby. Um, none of those things have I done well or in any competitive way or in any, uh, super public way aside from my classes. Um, uh, you forgot that I, I go to the gym. I've started really getting into, uh, into, into squatting until, you know, the gyms were closed. Um, I think the activist point is probably accurate. I think that's been a big part of my life. Um, I don't know how to weave. I guess I know how to embroider I don't know how to knit either. So, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. This is, that's good to know. I, I'm curious. You say you've never competed in burlesque. I'm, I'm now trying to envision a competitive burlesque event. Um, it's, uh, I suppose, not too much of a surprise that that is not yet. I suppose it probably is somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, there are, I mean in the same way that there are dance contests, I'm sure. You yes. Know. It's I mean, not like head-to-head, -head, you know burlesque on burlesque one one woman or, <laughs> one woman or man standing i should add i presume there are male burlesque dancers um, that makes me think of voguing you what know voguing? You, yeah do you know what voguing I is i have no idea oh it's like dancing where you uh, 
I don't know how to describe it, but it involves a lot of like dropping to the floor and it's usually like to hip hop music. Okay. And I, your body just does these movements that don't seem natural, but it's, it's very impressive. Okay. Voguing. Yeah. I would Google it. Yeah. But. Okay. Uh, that's one to check out. We'll, uh, we'll put a link to some Voguing <laughs> in the show description. Um, so today uh, we are not really here to talk about uh, much as we would love to your burlesque uh, or pole dancing or uh, various other uh, activities. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, which uh, which you know, I know the viewers might be disappointed, but we are going to keep the focus today on uh, I think probably more on a little bit on some of your activism, mm-hmm. and then also on some of the characters that we've encountered in Oxford. This is a bit more of an Oxford centric episode uh, in general, um, and I think that we will cover some of the interesting people you've come across, and and maybe also try and draw some attention to some kind of uh, issues at the moment that are going on in Oxford that people might be able to participate in. And might care about um is that is that fair yep yeah yep that sounds good cool um so without further ado i think maybe we'll we'll kick off with like the headlong headline news mm-hmm. uh so when we first met and we were desperately clutching for something in common um we did find that we both had an affinity for a pub in oxford uh the name of the pub is the wheat chief and yeah, yeah do you maybe you want to do you want to tell a little bit about your history with the wheat chief and sort of why you care about this place yeah um so bit about my background in Oxford. So um, I studied abroad in Oxford, I guess, three years ago as an undergraduate student. Um, And I loved Oxford and everything about Oxford. At the same time, I felt uh, excluded from kind of the mainstream scene. Like, I think what I loved about Oxford was not necessarily the university, not, you know, uh, I don't know, the Turf Tavern or any of the other great historic pubs of Oxford. I was more interested in kind of um, the city itself and what locals are up to and things like that. Um, so stumbling across the Wheat Chief in city center is an absolute delight because it is unlike any other space in city center. Um, I remember going there and seeing for the first time in Oxford, a guy with a mohawk. And I was like, okay, this is, this is a cool place. This is a place where there are, you know, as one would say, townies or locals. Mm. Um, and, uh, one of my highlights of Oxford was going with two of my friends to a local show um, in the upstairs of the Wheat Sheaf um, and getting to meet actually a woman in Oxford who was you know, performing at the Wheat Sheaf for like a decade. Um, and yeah, so it just, it just is kind of like this alternative space for, uh, especially for people in Oxford, I think, who don't necessarily fit in with like the like posh gown side of Oxford. I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, it's probably not as bad as it used to be, but there's definitely a hegemonic Oxford culture of yeah. red chinos and the Turf Tavern and some of the kind of awful nightclubs. I mean, obviously a lot of this is on hold at the moment, but yeah, you, you do see that kind of thing. And then of course you have your tourists as well, who also color the town with the sort of stuff that they want to do. And I think that does put a squeeze on, you know, most, I think a lot of English towns have, would you call it a metal pub? An alternative pub? I, I guess, I mean, it's not really, I mean, it's, it's less of a thing, I think, in Canada and yeah. in small towns in Canada. So, and I haven't traveled too much in the UK, so I can't speak to other cities here. Yeah. I mean, I'm basing this partly on what the, the first place that I went to buy pints over the counter was a pub in Aylesbury where I grew up, which was, which played this kind of music and had these kind of people and felt like the most exciting place in the world when I was like 15, you know, yeah. I first started going to these places. Um, and there is something about, I think, British metal rock culture, grimy, 
Rollies outside, you know, crappy weed, like just a slight sense of a slight sense of threat and just like a, a cast of characters straight out of a TV show um, that you everyone you speak to is likely to be a bit more interesting than a kind of hooray Henry that you might meet at your standard Oxford pub that, that is super valuable. Um, I think we should also mention that the Wheat Chief has hosted some fairly legitimate bands across the year. Yes. Um, we just checked now and uh, Foles. Foles. Yeah, I I think I discovered Foles when I was like a 14 year old in my small Canadian town. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, was 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 the other band Super ra- Radio Hod? Radiohead? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Radio Radio Hod. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's the name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, indeed. And yeah. Uh, a couple of others as well. Um, yeah, I wonder if, uh, yeah, because there's, there's quite, a, there's a pipeline of kind of Oxford indie rock bands that sort of flows out of here. And I assume a lot of them have gone through there as a rite of passage. Uh, so legitimate music venue, interesting spot. And uh, yeah, and, and just a refreshing alternative to the kind of standard Oxford hegemonic culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, um, it's going to be, well, we don't know yet because there's massive, I think, town opposition to converting it into student flats. But um, the current landlord, the current landlord, which to my understanding is a, um, I believe it's a company that kind of like manages the building or owns the building now. Um, and they want to convert into student flats because that's, um, uh, I guess in post pandemic times, a more reliable source of income. Yeah. Um, and that would be a massive loss to the community. I mean, Oxford university is always building student accommodation. We're losing our Tesco for like a couple months because they're building student accommodation. Um, there's new student accommodation on Ifley Road that Wadham recently opened. Um, and so housing policy is kind of my niche area of research and, and work and in, in, at an academic level. So I completely understand the need for greater supply of housing because the more students you house in student accommodation, the less pressure there is in the private market because mm. the private market then is more open to local professionals and local people. Um, but at the same time, it should not come at the expense of a place like the Wheat Chief. Um, you know, the Tesco's will be closed temporarily. But it'll be back. But the Wheat Chief, once it's gone, it's gone forever. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think it's a good observation and it's, it is connected. And I think so for us, we the loss of big Tesco, which sounds, I'm sure, not particularly important to people, <laughs> it, for us is a minor inconvenience. For our elderly neighbor downstairs who relies on Tesco as as a, as a ritual and as a place to get tesco products this is like a pretty bad psychological blow um so this this practice of squeezing places into student flats has ramifications that can be quite bad for a number of people but as you say tesco's are replaceable and infinite and self-generating uh historic pubs are not yeah Uh, so there is a difference there right yeah so um where are things right now uh in terms of the wheat chief and its future so my understanding is that um, there's something, there's like well over a thousand, maybe like even 2,000, I'm not sure, but at least a thousand um, official, I guess complaints is not the right word, but like um, the city is, has like a consultation, an online consultation, and uh, nearly every single comment is in opposition to converting it to student flats. Um, there is a Save the Sheaf campaign um, on Facebook, and I think people are... I think there's some fundraising going on there. Um, and a lot of local city councillors also want to save the sheaf. So certainly um, 
I know the green counselors in our ward um, are really keen to save the sheaf. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, this is really problematic and interesting because we might have a situation where the local council doesn't want to approve the conversion of the wheat sheaf into student flats. They might be against converting it into student flats. But I'm not actually entirely sure whether that necessarily means they're going to stop it. Mm. Um, because, you know, in this country, like, and in the world more generally, like, the protection of, of capital flow kind of trumps all sorts of cultural and local concerns, right? Um, but I'm still optimistic, right, because it is something that people are really vocally upset about. I mean, you know, so I think the Lamb and Flag was an, is another pub. I was going to mention that. Yeah. Yeah, which is, if, if you're going to talk historic, is truly historic. Um, yeah. It's like, I think, you know, Tolkien and that bunch used to drink there. It's it's cited in all kinds of, it's it's definitely a part of like the Oxford University historical fabric, so different to the Wheat Sheaf. But it's, I think that one is owned by St. John's College. And I think that is definitely closing at least for a while. But there are vague hopes of its reopening. But it's not like the Wheat Sheaf is the only example of a pub that's closing in the last year a lot of them were on death's door already and the lockdown has driven a nail into their coffin um so yeah i mean yeah what were you gonna say about the lambeth flag um my understanding is that um there if it hasn't already happened and maybe i should look it up actually Mm. um that there was a plan to purchase it that there was somebody interested in kind of saving the lambeth flag by purchasing it um that would be really cool if somebody in the Oxford community would step up and just like just buy out the wheat sheaf and just be like, I'm going to run it as a pub. Yeah. Lis- listeners with over 50 million in investment capital. I know you're out there uh, <laughs> among the, the dozens of listeners we have. Please, you know, step in and buy a pub. You'll, you'll have a great time. It'll be a stress free ticket to riches. Uh, I would do it myself if my money wasn't tied up in uh, cryptocurrency, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, please, please do consider it. I mean, the thing is, like, St. John's College is selling it. St. John's College have more money than like I will ever imagine in my brain in my entire life. So it's obviously like, but they don't care about no, like, they don't local culture. No, they no don't. offense to them. And, and but... also, I mean, arguably, like, I, I love the Lama Flag. It's one of my favorite pubs in Oxford. But like, there are plenty. <sighs> It, it has the same vibe, though, as a, as like every other as pub. As the Eagle and Child, as the Royal Oak, as a lot of those pubs. I have to like, mix them up, actually. Yeah, I mix them up, too. That, that, that road, I think, probably has three or four pubs that are all really nice and really lovely. I don't want... It may, uh, I'm sounding very disparaging now, but it's not, it's not the same as an alternative pub. In a way, you only need like one alternative pub. Like, if you get rid of that, there is no alternative. That's what's yes. so grim about it. You're, you're getting rid of the only other option. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that's why... You know, even though, you know, maybe the Lamont flag is a lot older and has, like, actual some history with, like, well, what was that? Was Lamont flag or was it Eagle and Child? Eagle and like Child Tolkien is the one and... where the Tolkien and the Inklings used to go yeah. to write. But I think the Lamont flag, I think, was part of this tapestry of Oxford lore or whatever. Yeah. In some context, yeah. Yeah. So even though the Wheat Sheaf is, is significantly younger, I think, you know, only 20 years old, that's still a long time. And in, in the sense of, like, the development of local music culture and things like that. Um, yeah, and I think it's I think it's important to say at this point is that like Oxford is not just Christopher Tolkien and you know whatever like you know academics Palmer Violets Palmer Violets Foles Radiohead you know these are bands that came out of Oxford. There is a legitimate indie alternative music scene in Oxford, and when you make Oxford into something that only represents 
the university and the establishment. It's not. Cambridge is kind of that. Cambridge is a university town. Yeah, but Oxford Cambridge is, is boring. Yeah, no, no, I totally yeah. agree. But, but like for people who are Oxford locals to to reduce the city just to the university is extremely reductive. Like there is actually yes. something of a scene and there are people here who don't give a shit about the university yes. and to remove the place where they can go and drink and not be bothered by loutish students and fucking hooray Henry's is a really, is a really nasty thing to do in a history of kind of town versus gown persecution. It's like, it's a real dick move, you know, and Absolutely. I'd rather give up the Lamb of flag than I would the wheat chief. And I yes. suspect other people feel the same. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But going off what you said, you know, what I was saying is like, a hypothetical ideal scenario where there's some benevolent rich person who like buys the wheat sheaf. I mean, that's much more likely to happen with a place like the lamb and flag, right? Mm. It's kind of that like old, older money, like older history, like, Oh, like, you know, buying the lamb and flag. But I feel like maybe wheat sheaf, the wheat sheaf has a disadvantage in that, like the particular community it serves is not like, the most elite of Oxford most of the time. Yeah, that, that's, I think probably between them, they could get about like seven pounds together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if everyone chipped in, they'd make like 40 quid, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's probably, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, the same for kind of, yeah, no, no, I think, I think you're totally right about that. Um, so yeah, it will be an interesting battle. And so what can people do? I mean, Oxford people and people abroad, what, what can they do to sort of try and save the sheaf, as you say? So there's a Facebook page save the sheaf and so i think the people on there are definitely active on organizing on this issue i think um filling out the city council consultation in opposition to tra to um transforming the wheat sheaf into um student flats acorn oxford is also active on this like the the uh union um the community union i guess um so those are all groups that people can get in touch with or get involved with i think Liking Save the Sheep on Facebook. I'm not sure who runs it exactly. Um, I think they have some relation to the Green Counselor in Oxford. I think I heard that somewhere. But anyways, um, they could like the Facebook page and see what's posted on there. I think there's probably the, the you know petitions or the link to the city council consultation, I think, is also posted on that page. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think so. That's definitely something. Yeah, please do check that out. If you're an Oxford local or if not, yeah, please lend your voice to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the last thing I'd say about it, and hopefully it's not too insipid a point, is that like, you know, if you, if you talk about diversity, and uh, diversity of culture and diversity of opinion, lots of people come to Oxford for undergrad degrees, for master's degrees, and for PhDs, and not all of those people want to punt or drink like, you know, port and do snuff in a room. Like, <laughs> there, there is a diversity of people who attend elite universities, believe it or not. It's, it's getting better at any rate. Yeah. And, and you know for those people who find themselves somewhere like Oxford, which is, you know, it can, can, could be dull to some people, you know, having those kind of alternatives is super valuable. Um, I mean, it's not even dull. It can be really alienating, right? Like yeah. spaces like, um, I think the Oxford union is a good example of that. Um, even just like, like academic departmental events and those, those, those types of spaces can feel really alienating and just that they don't fill, they don't quite fill a particular, need for every person right um and i felt pretty pretty much on the outside uh of my undergraduate experience um and i didn't want to feel that way in my graduate experience as well so places like the wheat sheaf that's part of the reason why i got involved in things like roller derby right was the ability and and also i guess burlesque was the ability to kind of be around local people and yep. like be involved in community 
um, sort of community activities. It's, it's funny you yeah. say that because when I, when I arrived here myself in September, I didn't know anybody. And I asked people for some hints on where to go. And the things that worked for me were I went there a few times and I immediately made just people were so nice to, to hang out with, invited me to hang out with them. Really, really cool. And then the other thing that worked for me was getting into martial arts where like, I think I was the only person from Oxford Uni who was at the club uh, in Temple Cowley and just found that I, I don't know, it's not some sort of desperate seeking for authenticity. It's just nice to hang out with real people who've lived here for 20 years and not yeah. like people who see it as a transient point in their journey to, you know, I don't know, uh, to, to whatever they're going to do in their life. You know? well, well, Tom, there's an intergenerational aspect to it as well, right? And that um, student spaces are all amongst people, you know, roughly your own age or within a certain generation. Um, but these community spaces are where you get to meet, um, where you get to meet people who, are decades older than you, yeah. you know, and or or a couple of years younger than you, you know. Mm -hmm. Um certainly in roller derby, I've you know, met people who've helped me through whew, like a breakup, like all kinds of like family stuff, you know. Um I've got to see parts of Oxford that otherwise I wouldn't have been able to see. Um so yeah, I mean, I think those experiences are are as valuable as as any other really that you could get in Oxford. I think that's a great point. And I think, I think maybe this leads us into the next thing that we could talk about, which is that, you know, when people think Oxford, they think the, the you know, the, the architecture and the, the, the punting and stuff. But like, one of the interesting things about Oxford is that there's a real, there's almost like a parallel community yes. of, of people who, who live, you know, mm -hmm. not, nothing like the kind of elite privileged kids who get shipped here for their education. And Living on Cowley, which is hardly, it's not exactly Detroit, but it's like, you know, <laughs> on a day-to-day -day basis, we run into yeah. a cast of colorful characters. Uh -huh. and there's a distinctly Oxford flavor to them because there's a, like a kind of, you know, having lived in, in bits, of, bits of London, like there, there is a, there's a distinct flavor to the Oxford, uh, what would you call it? I guess, you know, obviously some of them are homeless, some of them are not, um, people who just don't really live a conventional lifestyle. Yeah. And there's, there is a kind of, I, I don't I don't want to I certainly don't want to be patronizing but like a, a lot of people are like lifer Oxford homeless lifers who've built a kind of parallel happy existence alongside yes. the city and that society exists in parallel with and in dialogue with the student society and the local society yes and that's one of the, the, the interesting things about this place right like if you arrive on Cowley Road literally when I arrived here and I used to live in Oxford when I was younger as well but like you know you'll see people there you'll see them like you see them every day and they're out there and they have every much as right to call this place more than you do a home as you do and that's one of the more compelling things about the city i think compared to somewhere like cambridge right yeah um i think i mean it's it's kind of it's a complicated dynamic right um because a lot of these so when i studied abroad here let me see over 3 years ago still many of the, the same kind of homeless figures are still here, right? Um, and unfortunately, um, the, UK's, the UK's, unfortunately, the UK's welfare state um, is a joke. Um, no offense. <laughs> Not that, I mean, Canada's welfare state isn't any better, really. Um, but in terms of uh, supporting people, vulnerable people, um, you know, getting on universal credit, things like that, eligibility for benefits is also um pretty tricky um and you you don't have a society that um you know rushes up to lift you up if you're vulnerable um so there are lots of people who become entrenched in homelessness here um and for some that ends up 
working to a degree. I mean, obviously, um, homeless people across the UK have much shorter life lifespans than um, people who, who have homes um, to live in. Uh, even across Oxford, actually, I believe there's like a nine-year lifespan difference. Um, or almost, let me see, lifespan difference. Um, so between North Oxford and Cowley and like mm. Blackbird Lees. Um, yeah, so I mean, while Linda's looking it up for context, I mean... Oxford is not a big place, you know, it's a 15-minute bike ride from landmark to landmark. But uh, Jericho and the city centre and some of the more affluent areas of Oxford are, yeah. I mean, I, I'll never forget one girl I met at my college. I told her that I lived on Cowley Road, which is the kind of road that stretches out of Oxford. And she said, oh, I've, I've never been, been there. I've been there a couple of times, you know, I don't really know, know about it. And she goes, well, you know, come to think of it, I don't really think of Cowley as Oxford at all. She goes, I don't really think of it as England, to be honest, <laughs> which I think is reflective of the attitude of some of the students who like... Would is this go a here. white person? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, funnily enough, no, it's a t it was a Tibetan, a very posh Tibetan girl. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but I think that like that's reflective of a lot of students' attitude, which is because Cali yeah. is, is very ethnically diverse. It's got a bunch of restaurants and bars. Yes. The, the attitude is like, why would you ever go somewhere where like a brown person might sneeze at you or something and like it's yeah. terrifying and no, no, no. The grocery stores sell things, yeah. sell fruit that I've never seen or something. Uh, there's a gentleman yeah. giving out Qurans and, you know, there's a gentleman who's peed himself and uh, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's, it's a rich <laughs> tapestry of colorful characters, the likes of which you could completely avoid encountering if you lived in your college, which a lot of students do. They barely leave the bounds of their college, especially Just at sad. the moment. Uh, yeah, agreed. But for someone who's lived, you know, in different countries, lived abroad, like, you know, it, it's much more interesting to live somewhere like this. Yeah. So, okay, so I found the article from the Oxford Mail, honestly, one of my favorite news sources, <laughs> like, actually, uh, the life expectancy gap between Oxford richest and poorest residents widens to 15 years. Um, so there you go. Yeah. Um, a 15 year gap in life expectancy between, you know, Summertown and, and I guess Blackbird, Blackbird Lees. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, indeed. So so maybe uh, this would be a good point to talk on. I mean, do you want to talk about the mask thing a little bit? Yeah, uh, I guess one of the things I was involved in, a small, so relatively small thing compared to some of the other campaigns around homelessness that I've been a part of in, in the city. Um, but uh, one of the things that, um, I'm, so I'm, I'm treasurer, I guess technically I'm treasurer for the uh, Oxford uh, Coalition Against Homelessness, which is a student group um, that mostly historically has done mostly kind of like political campaigning and advocacy on homelessness issues. Um, one of our biggest campaigns was around repealing the Vagrancy Act, um, the 1824 Vagrancy Act, which criminalizes public homelessness. And it's mm -hmm. kind of a, a piece of legislation that's essentially used to, well, you know, oppress homeless people that are sleeping in public or sitting in public. Um, so that was a massive, sorry, this is not related to the mass for Oxford project, but it'll lead into there. Yeah. Um, but this particular campaign, um, we got it to be, we basically got it to parliament by drumming up enough dialogue and excitement among the students in the city. And our petition got like well into the double digits in terms of signatures. Um, but then, uh, our local, um, I think uh, Lib Dem MP, um, uh, Leila, Leila Moran, I believe, um, picked it up, if I'm correct. I hope it's not Annalisa Dodds. I'm not mixing them up. <laughs> but I believe it was the, the Lib Dem um, uh, kind of representative. Pick, picked up um, 
our petition basically and then uh like wrote up a bill i guess to repeal the act um and so far it hasn't gotten very far mm. uh, but just like the fact that like as students a handful of us could organize to like get something as discussed and debated at the national level was really cool mass for oxford is not that it's basically uh we got some money from the oxford student union um to pidge students so essentially male students um mask making kits and the idea is that students would sew these masks and then we would donate them um to two homeless charity two homelessness charities in the city aspire and the gatehouse um so so far we've collected about 50 masks back we gave out about 150 200 kits um so getting 50 <laughs> back out of 200 is not okay. the best ratio yeah, but yeah. um you figure with uh the lockdowns and stuff a lot of students left um mm. and either haven't been able to return their masks, haven't been able to sew them, or haven't been able to pick up their kits from their mail boxes in the first place. So we're hoping to get a lot more uh, next term. Although, you know, donating 50 handmade masks is also nice, if yeah. that's, what it, that's what it ends up being. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, very cool. Um, I think it's interesting also not to get too far off the topic, but at the moment, in the last couple of days, the UK is looking at new laws to punish... Uh, it's not exactly vagrancy, but like Roma communities, gypsy communities uh, are going to be cracked down on quite hard under the current proposed legislation. So it's kind of something that is, I think, in the public consciousness at the moment for people who care about that kind of stuff, which is obviously not everybody. Um, but yeah, very cool. Very cool. There's also, um, I thought you were going to say the new bill that basically cracks down on any protest oh. that is a nuisance to Pretty Patel and yeah. Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah, like extreme, well, I'm sure a lot of the heretics listeners will be well aware of this, but uh, yeah, any exactly any public protest which can be classified as a nuisance, i.e. any protest, uh, including individual protests, which can be punishable by £10,000 fine, or I think it's 10, 10 years in jail, two years in jail, um, uh, camping on a protest site. Ridiculous. Um, it's, it's just an incredibly sweeping piece of legislation that's come in the wake of the lockdown legislation, because people have been protesting the lockdowns, and this is being used to extend the powers of the police. Uh, as we're seeing, I mean, I think this is enough to fill another show. We don't necessarily need to go too far down this path, but yeah, without without public pushback, this stuff becomes uh, entrenched. I think very quickly. Uh, I will say really quickly on that that 150 national organizations and like religious groups and um, community groups and stuff signed like a, a letter basically condemning the bill, including the Quakers. And I'll say, as someone who attends Quaker meetings and knows a little bit about their history, if the Quakers oppose it you're on the wrong side of history, mm. right? Like oh. it's <laughs> I mean, I don't dare to comment on that, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, guys, I mean, you know, for what it's worth, I think probably with this stuff, the time to act is now. Uh, if, if this stuff becomes law, it's not going to go anywhere. So Quaker or no Quaker, BD, <laughs> uh, please, like, you know, get involved and, and make sure that this stuff doesn't become law because the UK is becoming a increasingly difficult place to live and express your political views. And if this kind of stuff is passed... It's going to happen very quickly where you cannot express views like that uh, in public. And that is not the kind of country in which you will wish to live uh, in this podcast host's opinion. So I would side with you here, Linda, and the Quakers in saying that the time to act on that kind of stuff is now. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Cool. So we've covered, uh, we've covered the wheat chief, uh, we've covered the lamb and flag, and we've covered a little bit sort of about the, the homelessness stuff here. Uh, I think probably... We won't, we won't keep the listeners too long today, uh, or you, Linda. I'm sure you have uh, other, you know, 
poles to dance upon and uh, rollers to Debbie. But uh, I was wondering maybe if you wanted to mention uh, a couple. So at this podcast inception, we were considering the kind of guests we could get on the show. Um, and Linda had a few interesting suggestions from characters she'd met in Oxford. Do you want to maybe recap uh, a couple of these? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, oh, I definitely don't want to get uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the on anyone's bad side for uh, bringing up, um, you know, particular characters. But Oxford is filled with eccentrics, you know, and um, really lively, interesting people whose experiences, actions, um, some alleged, some confirmed, <laughs> um, make them really interesting people to talk to. Nutters, nutters. Yeah, is what, is what Linda means. I mean, that's the premise of the show: is that we get nutters on to talk about their wacky ideas. But yes, please continue. Are you implying something about? Uh, me, absolutely Tom? not, Linda. No, normally I don't take the mask off during the show and tell people about the show's premise. But no, no, of course. <laughs> sorry, we get respected Oxford academics to uh, explain sure. their, their complex theoretical models. Nutters. Um, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, well, I really wanted you to get the um, Lineker Truth guy, yep. um, who I don't know much about, and I won't go into detail because I don't know enough about the case, but yep. um, there's a great website out there. I Actually, I don't know if promoting it, mm. if that's like technically... Well, if you, if you know about Lineker Truth and then a common web extension, uh, you may stumble across a website that is certainly an interesting study from an anthrop- anthropological point of view. Should we put it like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, there is a, a gentleman in Oxford, um, I believe, who was arrested at some point um, mm. and dropped some flyers with drones on Lineker College and has kind of made a website, uh, essentially, to my knowledge. I mean, I, you know, really do not want to get too involved in it because <laughs> I have no, I, I don't know any, I know like one student at Lineker uh, and yeah, I don't know this individual, yeah. but I think you should really get that guy on the show if you can. I'm sure he'd have a lot to say about the university, uh, although I don't know the laws. So UK doesn't the UK doesn't really have free speech laws. No, it's not. And no, I think not. you can be held responsible for what your guests say. But but you're you're correct, Linda. Which is why we're certainly not using anyone's names, and we're certainly not uh, making any particular value judgments. We can just say that this individual has a complex relationship with Lineker College. Uh, and an interesting story to tell about the college and their motivations. And perhaps we will get him on the show. I have found his address. Uh, the next step for me is to knock on this man's door, which, uh, considering his history, is um, it's a slightly daunting proposition. Why don't you just write a letter, Tom? Why don't you just write mm. a letter and say, hey, I found this is how I found your address. Uh, you know, I'd be interested in having you on my radio show. As, you know, I'm yeah. interested in interviewing interesting characters in Oxford. I'll cut the letters out of a newspaper and glue them onto a bit of card and put them through his door and say, uh, the heretics, you know. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. possible. Uh, yeah. There's also an amazing figure in Oxford who I've had some really lovely conversations with um, who, uh, well, I guess it's not an allegation anymore, but they were basically, um, they received no prison time for chasing a customer with a hacksaw. Mm. Um, a certain uh, restaurant owner. It was really, really lovely. And that story does not reflect, I think, the character of this person or the, you know. I mean, <laughs> Have I not can't we say. All, I don't know. Gentlemen, who among us has not brandished a hacksaw <laughs> and chased a customer out of their establishment? I, who knows what the customer was doing? Maybe they were harassing other customers. We don't know. Yeah, sure. It could have been, could have been a 3 a.m. drunk person that yeah, just the needed red, to Yeah, the leave. red stripe was flowing. Yeah. You know, the bong was, was lit, you know. A hacksaw happened to be at hand. But there's know. all these great stories like that in Oxford, you know, of all these people doing these things that are just like, wait, what did he do? <laughs> Could you repeat that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, another one of my favorites, I, although 
I guess he lives in London, so, but you could probably still interview him. The guy who sued Oxford and then sued his parents. Sued Oxford for not getting a 2-1 a two, a or not getting a first. Not getting right? a, I think also not getting a job was the, yeah. the, the point of the lawsuit was that he'd, he'd got a 2-1 and then he was, but he's now, he's like 40 something and unemployable. Uh, That's probably because he sued Oxford, yeah. not because of yeah. the fact that, I think he got what, like a 2-1 or a 2-2? Something I like I'm that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably unemployable because you're the type of person to sue Oxford, no offense. But. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Employers probably aren't lining up to employ someone who's litigious against, uh, against them. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about interviewing that guy is, on the one hand, it might be fun. On the other hand, he's possibly a massive, massive wanker, uh, which I will... Well, he's suing his parents now. Yeah, I mean, I think possible. <laughs> if you look, at the, look at the history, you. having sued Oxford and sued his parents... You just called him a wanker on so your I, radio I, I, show, I, I so said, you're going to I said that too. it's possible that he's a wanker. It is possible that we are all wankers. Oh, uh, true, okay. I, I, I retain Fine. that possibility in a legal sense that the gents okay. may or may not be until proven otherwise okay. a massive, massive I wanker. rescind my... Accusation. Yeah, I appreciate that. Literally, literally, this country has the worst free speech laws. Actually, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Like anyone can sue you basically for saying anything publicly. So that's true. Yeah. Um. Cool. All right. Well, I think we're heading towards the end of this episode. Uh, I'm really happy we covered the stuff that we did. Uh, is there anything else that you'd particularly like to say to the uh, the 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 hundreds of listeners out there? Um. Uh, you should boycott the new bill that would stop protest. I mean, it's obviously in response to the Black Lives Matter protests that happened last year. Um, and there's also, I think, s- some more serious criminalizing that's going to happen around statues. Um, so if you're, yeah. you know, if you're a supporter of the Roads Must Fall campaign, um, if any of those issues are important to you, then you should step up. Um, and at least, the least we can do is sign a petition and pass that information along to people we know. Um, and yeah, I would say do that. Yeah, actually, I mean, Linda is coming at this from a from a BLM Rosemans Fall point of view. I'm coming at this from a sort of uh, anti-lockdown freedom of speech point of view. It really doesn't matter. No matter where you are on the political spectrum, if you believe that expressing your viewpoint uh, in an open and public place is important and you believe that the ability to protest against government overreach is important, then you should not fucking agree with this bill yeah. because it's bad for everybody. Everybody. Because some someday it'll someday it'll be an issue that you care about. Absolutely. And that's right, close exactly. To you. you might not like yeah. BLM. You might not like the anti-lockdown weirdos. You might not like any of these groups. But it might be a cliche. But as Linda says, one day an issue will come up that means something to you or your family, and you will find that your right to protest has been taken away, and you will regret not standing up for this. So wherever you sit, this is bad for everybody. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. Uh, cool. Well, we'll include some links to the petitions in the show notes, and uh, we'll also include some links to the Save the Chief page uh, and to everything else like that. And uh, I think, guys, that is your heretics for the week. Um, thank you very much for staying with us. Uh, Linda, you've been wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you guys again on the next show. Uh, thank you very much. Hang in there. The summer is coming. Things are getting better. And one more time, thank you so much, Linda. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. We're not on Facebook, but, you know follow us anyway this will be edited out that's it that's your heretics goodbye bye all right